Lasting Love Podcast, presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hey there. Welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love Podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana. I'm your host. And today I really want to have what I believe can be a powerful, life-changing conversation with you. I want to talk about attractiveness. I want to talk about what makes us attractive to potential partners. You could even say what makes us sexy, what makes us desirable, what makes us sort of um, irresistible, you might even say, what makes us sort of wanted, what, what makes us or what makes others want to pursue us or to want to be with us, to want to approach us. You follow me? This is a big, big deal, right? Um, Because so many people want to attract lasting love, right? They want to attract a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship. But often they're not being approached. They're not being pursued. They're not... They're not finding themselves irresistible to other people. In other words, they're maybe not being noticed or once someone gets relatively close, they don't keep coming. They don't, like it's almost like some people experience, you know, if someone gets near me and, and spends some time with me, they that doesn't transfer into them wanting more of me. They sometimes lose interest or the spark fades away, right? So these are really major issues and they're painful issues. If I just described your experience, um, and let me just say, I've always felt undesirable. That's what I consider to be one of my primary core story of deficiency, is I've always felt sort of unwanted or unseen or undesirable in a number of different ways, but certainly with women. Um, For many, many years, um, maybe through high school, through college, even when I was married, even though I I was married, so it it sort of didn't matter, but it sort of did matter to me. I, I never felt attractive. I never felt sort of wanted and I never felt irresistible. Okay. So I know what this feels like. I know that it can be um, very painful, a very tender subject. Um, But it's a, it's a powerful one that we have to talk about because, you know, we, we want to be in a relationship. And so we need to look at, our attractiveness. We need to look at the uh, the whole issue of attractiveness. Like, what is it? 
what makes us attractive, what makes us unattractive, right? So we need to sort of understand it a little bit mentally to start with. We need to understand the principles of attraction and what makes people attracted to one another. We have to sort of kind of get the philosophy of it a little bit before we can start to apply some of the principles and philosophies to our individual lives. And so that's how this is going to go. I'm going to sort of describe, in fact, I'm going to describe three issues that can either make you very attractive, perhaps even irresistible to potential partners, or I could say it in terms of three issues that if you don't deal with them can make you very unattractive to potential partners. And so I'm going to describe those things in principle. And in a sense, I'm going to leave you hanging with that because I don't know who I'm talking to right now. You might be on the other side of the world. You might, I mean, you might be a client of mine or a former client, but you might be someone that I don't know. I've never met. I've have no idea who you are and what your circumstances are. So it would be difficult for me to kind of get into the nitty gritty and the practical aspects of helping you, you know, manifest these three things in your life, in your individual expression, because I just don't know you. So the best I can do right here, but but it's it's a big deal though, but the best I can do is get you thinking about attractiveness, what makes us attractive, what makes us unattractive. And then I can leave it sort of in your lap and you get to do whatever you want with the information. Now, in an ideal world, right? The ideal world is you follow up with me and you talk to me about working with me directly to deal with some of these things so that we can have the individual conversation so that we can apply the principles to your life, right? That, that would be the ideal thing from where I'm sitting is I hope to kind of pique your interest. I hope to kind of make you go, Oh my Lord, I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about attractiveness in this way. Perhaps this is why My love life is not going the way I want it to. Perhaps I'm blocked in one of these three ways and I need to do something about it. And of course, a great thing to do about it is to hire a coach who knows how to help you get unblocked so that your natural attractiveness can shine forth and, you know, can, can do what it does, which is attract potential partners. Okay. Now. So let's just, let's, having said that, let's just jump in, all right? Now, I guess you could say that there are two major categories when we talk about being attractive to potential partners. I want to say to the opposite sex, but that's not really fair because some people are gay and so it's not the opposite sex. So potential partners, right? Because All this discussion is going to apply to whether you're straight or gay or trans or anything like that, okay? So when principles are true, they apply across the board and they're not affected by, you know, what age we're living in, you know, where we're living on the planet, 
if, if a principle is true, then a principle is true forever and always has been. You know, sort of like if gravity is true, then gravity was true a thousand years ago and it's going to be true a thousand years from now, <laughs> right? It's just, it's just sort of real. It's just the present, the present moment. It's just the reality of what is. So there's two things that we could talk about in terms of attractiveness. There is physical attractiveness, right? And there is what I would call energetic attractiveness. Now, we do have a lot of control over both our physical attractiveness and our energetic attractiveness. But I will say this. You have far less control over your physical attractiveness than you do your energetic. And I'll explain what I mean by energetic. But I'm sitting here telling you that you have 100% control over your energetic attractiveness. In, and in fact, what I would describe as what really makes you attractive, what really matters, okay? You have control over your energetic attractiveness. You have some control over your physical attractiveness, right? I mean, you can't really change how tall or short you are, right? You, you really can't necessarily change like the structure of your body, maybe even the, the structure, the bone structure of your face. I, I suppose you could, you could do some sort of deep, deep um, plastic surgery and change the shape of your cheekbones. And we know you can change the shape of your nose. And I suppose you could change the shape of your jaw and, you know, your forehead. And, right, that would be radical. But we, we, we do have some control over our physical appearance, right? We can control our weight for the most part. Some people, they have got certain issues with their thyroid and different medical issues to where they can't control their weight. But the vast majority of us, we can work out, we can eat right, and so we can control how attractive our bodies are, okay? And you can, you can do some things with the way you present yourself, the way you groom, the way you do your hair, um, you know, and stuff. And you can make yourself more attractive physically. And of course, you can do little things, um, you know, through cosmetic surgery, whether it's a nose job or lips or, you know, different things to, you know, make yourself more attractive, right? I'm certainly not going to get into that stuff. That... That really doesn't interest me. Um, if people are interested in doing that, have at it. You know, do whatever you want to your body and and so forth. I'm just making the point that most people, when they think about attractiveness, they only think about the physical, and that can be a little frustrating because there's some things you can't change. You know, like your height, right? And so they people think that, well. I'm sort of doomed or I'm limited or, you know, I look the way I look. I don't look like a movie star. I don't look like, you know, Jennifer Aniston or George Clooney or, you know, whoever, right? Megan Fox or um, Adam Levine or Levine of, uh, of Maroon 5, right? So, yes, there are some beautiful people and then there are normal people like you and me. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 
so I'm really not going to talk about the physical side. I mean, we, we could have a conversation about taking care of your body and your, your appearance in that way and loving yourself enough to eat properly and exercise and those kind of things, okay? But I want to talk about what I think really, what real attractiveness is about. I really believe that real attractiveness has nothing to do with our conventional beauty. It really is about our inner energy. It really is about our attitude, uh, the, the way we move, the way we show up, um, sort of how the life force sort of comes through our bodies, right? I always refer to that song by the Beatles when I talk about this, where the, you know, the Beatles sang that the, the, the song is something, right? Something in the way she moves, Attracts me no like no other lover. Something in the way she woos me. I, I don't want to let her go. Okay? So what is that something? Right? The Beatles didn't say her high cheekbones, you know, make me want her. <laughs> you know, her highlighted hair. They didn't sing if they were singing about guys. You know, it, you know it's, it's not, you know, his pecs that... Something about his pecs moves me, right? right? They really weren't singing about anything physical. They were, sing, think, they were singing about something mystical, something about the way we move, about the way we live, about our aura, our energy, our attitude, right? Now, that is completely under our control. The openness of our heart, sort of the like the or the playfulness of our spirit. Um, that is completely under our control. How much we allow fear to be running through our veins. You know, fear makes you sort of close down. It makes you be guarded. It makes you be suspicious. It, fear is what puts a wall around your heart, right? So, Real attractiveness and the part that you can really control is about your energetic attractiveness. And so I've experienced my own life, I've experienced so many times with my clients that the more we deal with things that can block our inner energy, the more we get unblocked, the more attractive we become even if we've changed nothing about our physical appearance. We haven't bought a new wardrobe. We haven't you know, got a new car. We haven't got better jewelry or better makeup or a, you know, a, a new haircut. Those things are fine. But what I've experienced is when people, when they work on their energy blocks, when they work on the inside, the outside becomes more attractive. There's, a, there's sort of a light that shines through us. Okay, so attractiveness is about how much your inner aliveness is free to flow through your body. It's, 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 it's kind of like, how happy are you on the inside, right? How free are you? How sort of, I could say, fearless are you, right? I, so the more open your heart is, the more attractive you are, right? The more closed 
and sort of withdrawn, the less attractive you are, right? So when your heart's open and you're sort of meeting the moment with a playful heart, when you're really present, when you're, you're really, when your attention is, is in the now moment, when you, I, I can't say it any other way, when, when your heart is just open to life itself, when you're your happiest, that's when you're the most attractive. When you're the freest, it's almost like when the less you, the less you sort of want a relationship, the more attractive you become, right? Because we all know that neediness and desperation and those kind of energies are a turnoff to most people, okay? But they're, they're, all, they're very common. Most of us are pretty damn needy. Most of us, if we're honest, we're really desperate. I mean, we're lonely. We really want to meet someone. We're sick of being single. You know, we, we, we have a lot of that kind of angst within us. When am I going to meet someone? How is it going to happen? I hate online dating, but, but if I don't use that, what am I going to do? And so we are needy sometimes. We are desperate sometimes. Let's, let's just admit that. But, but that energy isn't attractive to other people, nor is it attractive to you. When you see it in someone else, when someone else is trying too hard, coming on too strong, um, you know, moving things too quickly and they, they're clingy, they're, they're, um, they're, they're attaching, right? Nobody's attracted to that, right? So, the less you are that way, the more attractive you become. And that sort of leads me into, I want to talk about these three things that really attract, it really affects that inner energy flow. Okay. So I want to get really clear here. You are your most attractive when your life force is allowed to flow freely through your body doesn't matter whether you're a masculine-oriented person or a feminine-oriented person. You know, I'm not talking about masculine feminineness. I'm talking just in general about people, right? When, when the life force, what, what the, um, the Chinese call it your chi, right? The chi, when your chi is allowed to flow in your body and nothing's blocking it, that's when you, you, you are your most attractive. The Hindus call it Shakti, right? When your Shakti is, is flowing, you know, in your chakras, in, you know what I mean? When you're, when you're open and that energy is flowing, that's when you're the most attractive. Christians would call it spirit, right? When spirit isn't blocked, when it's allowed to, when you're filled with the spirit, the Christians would say, you know, when you are just alive with God, you, you, you're, you're, the spirit is flowing that's when you're the most attractive. And so here's the, here's the main, here's a metaphor that I want to hook all this on, okay? And that is that that life force is a little bit like the sun's shine, right? That inner energy, that attractive energy, you know, within you, you don't have to go try to find it. You don't have to 
develop it. You don't have to acquire it. You don't have to try to get more of it. That inner energy is like the sun. It's always shining. It's there, right? The sun is always shining. It's just sometimes there's a bunch of junk blocking it. So you don't need to, you don't need to go try to find the sun. You don't need to try to make the sun brighter or to make the sun shine. All you got to do is get rid of the clouds and it'll shine, right? So it's the same thing here. There's nothing you have to do. There's no one you need to become. There is nothing you need to acquire. There is really nothing you even need to learn. Like you don't have to be smarter or something. Because the light of God is in you. That the shine is there. The 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 chi, the shakti, the spirit, it's already there. You're just blocking it. Okay? And if you unblock it, you're going to be the most attractive version of yourself you can be. And then, Lord, look out what happens when you're going through your life unblocked or at least less blocked. Right? We could argue about can you ever get completely unblocked, like be free of all fear, free of ego, free of any defense mechanisms, free of any personality quirks and and, and uh, coping mechanisms. Okay, maybe not. But, you know, you can see a lot of sunshine if it's partly cloudy. You know, if there's just a few clouds, right? So we can remove a lot of the blocks to where the sun can really shine and we can become our most attractive selves. So here's how I want to frame this. There are three major blocks and they are associated with the past, the present, and the future. Okay? We block ourselves across time, you could say. <laughs> okay? We block ourselves from, from the past in terms of regrets. We block ourselves in the present in terms of how we resist what is, what's here now. Okay? Our relationship with the current reality of our lives. And we block ourselves in the future by having requirement as to people we're going to date and relate with. Okay? There's your outline that I want to break down with you. The way we block is past regret, present resistance, future requirement. Okay? Now, let me just let me just touch on these, okay? And this is where like I said earlier, I can't apply these things to your particular life because I don't know who I'm talking to, but I can get you thinking, right? I, I'm hoping you're like, okay, let me let me evaluate my own attractiveness in light of these things. Let me wonder how blocked I am. And perhaps you'll recognize that you need to do work on all three, or perhaps you'll recognize, no, there's one of them. That is my thing that I think could be sabotaging my love life. It could be making me really unattractive. It could be blocking my, my chi, my shakti, my spirit. Okay? So it's up to you to sort of evaluate where are you with this. Now, don't be too hard on yourself, but, but don't be too easy on yourself either. Okay? I mean, all of us are probably blocked by these things to some degree. So... 
don't don't go to the dark side and make yourself out to be the most blocked person in the world and you know go all negative and uh, and shameful and do don't do that but also don't sugarcoat yourself don't don't pat yourself too much on the back as best you can see if you can evaluate yourself from a sober perspective here okay just see if you can observe yourself as objectively as you possibly can all right so let's talk a little bit about past regret Okay? And I've talked about this in other podcasts. I have six chapters in my new book, Relationship Bootcamp, that are completely devoted to strengthening your relationship with your past, meaning helping you learn to let go of the past. So one of the things that really darkens your shine, that darkens the life force that blocks you is when you have a lot of regret um, about the past. Now, we could also say that if, if you harbor a lot of bitterness or anger towards someone else, you know, someone that hurt you or betrayed you and you're holding that, you're holding on to that stuff and you're holding on to that anger and that bitterness and, and that kind of stuff. Okay, yeah, that'll block you too. But I sort of want to focus on our own, the, the ways we judge ourselves, our, our own regrets about things we know we should have done in the past or we shouldn't have done in the past or mistakes we've made, um, choices we've made. You know, um, a lot of us can really feel like I screwed up my life. I, I made some choices. I, maybe I shouldn't have married that person or maybe I, I should have went to college instead of getting a job out of high school or, you know something with our kids or we just have regrets, right? I mean, don't, don't most of us need to do some work on self-forgiveness, forgiving ourselves. And a lot of us can't. So when you carry some regret towards yourself, you sort of harbor the past in that way. And it's like you carry a little bit of darkness with you. And do you see how even if you're not walking around advertising that to people, you know, you go into a bar or a networking event and you, the first thing you say to somebody new is, hello, my name is Roy and I have a lot of regrets about my life and I just feel horrible about the things I've done and some choices I've made and, you know, my life could be so much better right now if I would have done X, Y, or Z, but I didn't do any of that and so, man, I'm really stuck, right? <laughs> Nobody leads with that, <laughs> okay? But... We can feel that way and, and that affects our energy. You might not say it, but people can sort of pick up on something, right? Now, I'm not saying people are psychic and, and they know exactly what's going on inside of us, but they can feel something, right? Just like you can feel somebody else's openness, somebody, somebody else's aura, sort of their energy, you know, the, the happiness in their face or or not, sort of the, the the sparkle in their eye or not, right? Energy can be felt. Your attitude can be felt. I remember, you know, it was years ago now, when I used to live in Orlando, I actually ran speed dating events for a company called Predating Speed Dating. They had events all over the country and I was the event coordinator in the Orlando area. And so 
about two to three times a week, I would hold these speed dating events where anywhere from 15 to 25 people would come, you know, a mixture of men and women, different ages and so forth. And because this is my business, I, I met everybody, right? I had to talk to them, check them in, get them oriented, and I could feel their energy. And there were some people, they walked in, they might not have been the most attractive, physically attractive person in the room, but I knew they're going to get some connections tonight. Somebody's going to want to spend time with that person. I could just feel it by the way they carried themselves, you know, the, the way they looked at me, just their energy, right? There was, there was a vibe to them. There was an openness, a playfulness. They might've been nervous, but I could just sense that they're going to, they're going to be desirable tonight. And then there were other people that came in and they were, I could tell they're attractive, right? I, I, I can't always tell if a guy's attractive. I, I mean, generally, um, you know, sometimes my wife says that somebody's really attractive. I'm like, really? I, I don't see it. Oh, she's like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, but I can tell when a woman's attractive, at least to me. And sometimes there were really, you know, beautiful people coming to these events and I knew they weren't going to get selected. I could feel it. I could feel that there was something behind their eyes, that there was a closure about them, a distrust or a negativity. You follow me? So I don't, don't underestimate what people can pick up about you. And so do you have any past regrets? Do you harbor regret about things you've done, choices you've made? Or do you have regret about how certain relationships have gone? I mean, I know that as I started to work on myself with my coach, I had huge regrets about the way I had dealt with my ex-wife, the things I had done. I mean, I, I've, I've shared about this in a podcast. I, I had an affair at the very, very end of the relationship. I had a, I made some terrible choices. I was lost and I had some regret about that. And then when I was in that rebound relationship with the woman after my ex-wife and I got engaged to someone who spent two and a half years, there was a lot of things that after that relationship ended, I had a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I had regret about some things I did. And then as I grew and worked with my coach and my eyes were opened a little bit to, you know, what was motivating me, you know, I started to see my relationship persona, this Roy, the rescuer thing that I was doing. If you've paid attention to any of my other podcasts, I became more self-aware as to how I was really responsible for the the crappy love life that I had had. I mean, up until then, I, I pretty much blamed the women for my love life, okay? But then I started to wake up and notice the ways in which I was attracting patterns and how I was responsible for a lot of the pain. And I had some regret with that. It bothered me when I started to see, oh my God, it really wasn't their fault. You know, I mean, they had their issues, but man, I was bringing some unconscious junk into the relationship. So I've, I've had my own regret. And if I carry that with me, if I don't know how to process that, 
if I don't know how to forgive myself, if I don't know how to let go of the past, then that energy is going to be in me and it's going to, it's, it's going to come through my pores and it is going to make me less attractive than I could be. Okay. So let me just give you one, one nugget of insight as to how to let go of past regret. And this really applies to whether you have a lot of anger and bitterness towards someone else, because really this might be an incomplete conversation if I don't talk about how if you harbor a lot of anger and a lack of forgiveness for someone else, if you harbor that resentment, okay, we can talk about you can regret things about yourself, you can resent things about others, either one of those are dark clouds that are going to block the sunshine, okay? So here's a little metaphor. I use it in my books. I, I've described it many times. I, I think it's just such a an accurate way to describe it. It's kind of playful. And it's what I call the puppy metaphor, okay? So just imagine maybe you've done this. You bring a puppy home from the kennel, you know, or the shelter, or maybe from a litter, okay? Now, what does a brand new puppy do? Well, the puppy pees on your carpet and chews on your shoes, right? That's what the, right? Now, is the puppy being bad? I mean, it might be annoying. You might have to, you know, get some new carpet one day. You, you might have the puppy chew through a very expensive, you know, pair of shoes. So it might be annoying, but the puppy's not being bad because the puppy is just sort of manifesting its level of consciousness, right? <laughs> the puppy's being a puppy. That's what puppies do. It, it, the, a puppy can't be more mature and more trained than it is, right? The, the puppy is sort of manifesting its level of maturity, its level of understanding. It's doing the only thing it knows how to do, and that is just pee wherever it wants to pee and chew on stuff that he finds, right? I'm going to tell you, that at every point in your life and everybody else's life, we are just like that puppy. We are making choices. We are doing things that are simply a reflection of our level of maturity. Our, it's a reflection of our state of consciousness. It's a reflection of our state of development. It's a ref, we're doing the only thing we know how to do. We're all like puppies, peeing on the carpet, chewing on shoes. We're all manifesting and acting and behaving and choosing and doing and saying and responding according to our level of understanding, our level of consciousness, our level of maturity. You can't be more mature than you are. You can't act more evolved than you are. You you. You can't be more developmentally mature than you are, okay? When you really understand that everybody is doing the best they know how to do, that everybody's just a puppy, including you, well, then how, where, how, why would you regret something you did? I was doing the best I knew how to do. Now, the problem is, is that now when you look back, we have a tendency to project what we know now onto our past selves. But see, back then you didn't know what you know now because you've grown. 
just like your puppy is going to grow. It's going to learn. It's going to get trained and it won't pee on the carpet and chew on your shoes anymore. Okay. But in that moment when it was peeing on the carpet, the, the dog was just doing what the dog does. It was manifesting its level of understanding at that time. It, it, it wouldn't be fair to tell the puppy, you should know better. All the things you've been through at that kennel and that, and that, you know, shelter, you should know better not to chew on the shoes and pee on the carpet, right? It doesn't make any sense. It can't know better than what it knows. But we do that to ourselves. I should have known better. I should have acted differently. Or that person should have known better. They should have known better on hot, like I could tell myself, I should have known better on what to do in my marriage when there wasn't much of a sex life and I had an affair. I should have known better. I, I should have talked to my wife more. I should have filed for divorce before I did all that. And I'm telling you, I was a puppy doing the only thing I knew how to do. I was acting in the level of maturity and the level of understanding that I had. I, in other words, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it differently. This is why Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus got this. That people can only act according to their level of understanding, their level of consciousness. And they make choices based upon their level of understanding. So how could I re regret what I did? It wouldn't be fair. How could you resent someone for what they did to you when you recognize they were just a puppy? They were just doing the only thing they knew how to do. Right? That is a powerful, that is, that's freedom. When you really see that you and everyone around you are just puppies, we're just doing the best we know how to do. And we, we can't know better than we know. To say they should have known better or I should have known better is ridiculous. How can you know something you don't know? And, and you could, you could argue, well, they did know that cheating in a relationship is wrong. Well, maybe intellectually, but because they did it and, and I did it and didn't act in any other way. No, they really didn't know. They really didn't know any other way to deal with their pain, with their confusion, with their longing, with their sexual energy. They, they, they were just doing the best they knew how to do. They were operating according to their level of understanding. Okay. When you get that, you will forgive others. You will forgive yourself and the clouds will part and the, sh the sun will shine because you will not have any resentments of others in the past. You will see that there are no mistakes. Every spiritual teacher you listen to that's worth their salt will tell you there's no such thing as a mistake. People are simply making choices based upon their level of consciousness in that moment. They're, they're, you can't make a mistake. You, you're just manifesting your puppiness. And so it's not a mistake. It makes perfect sense. Like when somebody in the Taliban or in ISIS chops off somebody's head because they don't believe in God the way the Taliban or the ISIS person thinks they should, okay, they can't do otherwise. They, they can't be more understanding than they are. That, 
that is the way they see the world, right? And so that doesn't mean, you know, stop somebody from doing that, but you can't say that you should know better. No, they don't know better. That is what, that, that is what they believe they're supposed to do when they're trying to serve God, right? They're at a certain level of understanding that that's what they do. So when, when you, when you see this, forgiveness almost becomes like, what's to forgive? There is no need. The only thing to forgive is just my own ignorance. I, I, Father, forgive me. I didn't know what I was doing, (laughs) right? It's like, I didn't know. I, I thought it was the right thing to do. I didn't have any other tools. I didn't have any other means of handling my energy, my emotions, my situation. And neither did my partners. Neither did my ex that cheated on me. They, we're all just trying to survive, okay? When you see this, all the regrets, the past drops away. You just let go. It's just like, oh. And all the clouds part. And now the life force shines a bit more. And now you're more attractive because you, you're, you don't have any regrets and resentments about the past, okay? The second one is present resistance, now, I cover this in chapter one of my new book, Relationship Boot Camp, okay? And one of the ways that we darken our radiance or we, we sort of diminish the strength of our presence is that we have a lot of negativity about the way our life is now. Meaning, in this context, we don't like that we're single. We... we we have a lot of resistance that we're not in a good relationship. We have a, a lot of resistance that we don't know how we're going to find one, if it's ever going to happen, um, right? And, and so the, the question sort of is, how do you feel about your relationship status? And a lot of us, if we're honest, we have either a lot of worry about it, a lot of angst, or maybe anger or confusion, frustration. But one thing is for sure, it sucks. Sucks being single. I don't like this. We can wake up every day and sort of have shit. There's nobody sleeping next to me. And I don't know when or how that's ever going to happen. So we can have our loneliness. We can have our, our, our worry. We can have this resistance to what is, to our current now moment relationship status. If we have resistance towards that, it's going to make you dark. It's, it's going to block your energy flow. Does that make sense? You're going to go through your life with this kind of internal attitude. Why do other people meet people and, and they're connecting? How come I get invited to other people's weddings, but nobody's getting invited to my wedding? Right. And, and, and I'm not judging you or anyone for having those feelings. I mean, they make some sense. You want to be in a relationship and you're worried about that, or you're upset about that. You're resisting it. It's like, it's not okay to, for you to be single today. It's, it's not okay. So I don't judge that. What I'm pointing is when you are sort of fighting with reality and you don't like the way your life is right now, it makes you less attractive. It comes through your pores. 
it might make you needy. It might make you try too hard. It might make you come on too strong. It might make you try to move a relationship along too fast. You know, it, there's a lot of ways that when you when you don't like being single or you don't like your your current life the way it is today, when when that resistance is there, when there's not an acceptance of it, when there's not an embrace, it comes through you. It shows up in your face, in your attitude, what you talk about, how you behave, and people can pick up on it, and it's not attractive. So maybe one of the most powerful um, sayings to help with this, or at least to point you in the direction of how to let go of the present resistance, comes from the Bible. There's an old verse in Psalm 118 that says, This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's the attitude that makes you attractive. You say, this is the day, right now, right here, my life, as it is, I'm single. Today, I don't have, there's nothing on the horizon. I mean, I, can I rejoice and be glad in that? Can I trust that I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be? That I'm not resisting reality? Reality is fine to me. I don't mind what's happening. I don't mind my life right now. It's okay that I'm single. Really? No, really. It's really okay. I can take a deep breath. Now, this isn't, this isn't you saying, I am resigned to never meet someone the rest of my life. No, that's all in the future. Crap. I'm just saying right now. Right now, can you simply say, oh, I can accept that this is reality. I'm okay with it. I'm not in an argument with God. I'm not making a fist at reality saying, you son of a bitch. I hate my life. I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't want to be single. Right? You're basically saying, I'm trusting. This is the day the Lord has made my life. Because when that verse says that, it's not talking about like Sunday when you go to church and sing a song. <laughs> it's, it's this moment. It, when it says this is the day, it means this moment, this situation, this reality is what God made. This is, this is how life is unfolded. Right? Even if you don't believe in God, I don't care what you believe in. Right? But you can look and say, this reality, how do I feel about my reality? Am I resisting it and fighting it and upset about it and hating it? Or am I accepting? Am I appreciating? Am I trusting? Am I open to life as it is right now? And I'm telling you, when you don't mind being single, when you are not in a fight about reality, when you are accepting it and not resisting it, you are going to be way more attractive. Your attitude's going to be different. You walk into a situation where you might meet someone, whether it's a, uh, you know, an online date for the first time, or a networking event, or a bar, or whatever. You know, I met my wife at a personal growth conference. Right? You could walk into whatever, and if you're walking in there like I'm okay with being single. This is the day the Lord has made. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not thinking about tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't exist. All that exists is right now. I mean, I know tomorrow is going to happen, but right, but it's already happening in my mind. I mean, the only thing I can ever experience is right now. That's the only real thing. So you walk into a situation 
And if you're like, I don't mind being single. I'm totally okay. I'm trusting. I'm right where I'm supposed to be. You're just going to be in a better mood, right? You're going to you're going to be more playful. You're going to be you won't be needy. You won't be trying too hard. You you won't have any desperation because you're just like, "No, I'm fine. I'm trusting." Right? So that's the second thing there. The more that you don't have present resistance, the sexier you are. It's just like the less you try to make someone like you, the more attractive you are. It's almost like, you know how you hear those stories of people that are trying to have a baby and they try and they try and they try and they try. They get tested. There's no real problems. They're trying, they're trying, they're trying. I mean, they're taking their temperature. They're, you know, they're having sex multiple times when they're ovulating and they're trying and trying and nothing happens, but they're trying and they want a baby so bad they're trying. And then sometimes you hear stories about, they just give up. Like we're done trying. We're going to, we're going to adopt. And the minute they sign the adoption papers, somebody gets pregnant. Now you tell me what that's about. It could, could it be, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, but could it be that when there's less effort and angst and need and trying, and when you let go and you sort of give up and you just, okay, I'm okay with not getting pregnant. It's just not going to happen. I'm, I'm not resisting it anymore. I'm not trying anymore. I, I'm just letting go. All of a sudden something happens in the body. Can't that happen in relationships? When you get to the place where I'm okay being single, I, I don't mind waking up with nobody in the bed next to me. It's just the way it is right now. I don't know what it'll be next week or next month or next year, right? I just know that I'm totally at peace with what is right now. I'm telling you, you walk out the front door of your house with that attitude and you are going to be like a magnet because you're going to have a happiness that people are going to say like, What's going on with you? Like, why are you smiling? You, you seem to be glowing today. Or you seem to be just like in a really good spot. Like, I want to be around you, right? I mean, when people are in really good spots, you know, when they're kind of, when they're kind of really on their game, when they're kind of really feeling good and they're in the groove, don't you, aren't, aren't you attracted to them? Don't you want to be around them? Right? They're fun to be around. But when we're all negative and all shit, life sucks, you know, I'm single, I'm going to another wedding this weekend, God, I'm never going to have a wedding, you know, fuck, you know. Well, who wants to be around you? Right? Now, I'm just saying, you don't have to say all that stuff out loud, people can feel it. Okay? So is this your issue? Do you got to do some work on your present resistance? Or was past regret your issue? Hmm. Right? Okay, no judgment. Hey, we got issues. We all have issues. The, the issue is, are you going to do something about it? Right? It's, it's not wrong to have an issue. The only issue is whether you're going to face it and become curious and sort of work on it and see if there's another way to handle your past and your present. Now, lastly, the last thing that kind of blocks your radiance and your the, the depth of your presence and the life force is future requirement. Okay? In other words, if you've got this set picture in your mind about this is the kind of person that I need. They got to be this way and this way and this way and this way. Like I've got 
I've got these requirements. I've got these demands. I've, I've got this list. I've got all these characteristics and all these qualities. Like they've got to, they got to check the boxes, man. They got to, they got to meet my expectations. They've got to be the person that I really need someone to be, um, you know, in order for me to be with them. When you have this future requirement, when you're sort of telling God what you think you need, when you're in that space where you think you know what's best for you and that you've got it all figured out and that, you know, you're just not going to date someone like that and you're not going to go out with someone like that. And, you know, that creates a kind of a negative aura. The the feeling of that, the, it's the mentality of it that will create um, an energy within you that people will pick up. Because I'm here to tell you that those future requirements are all based upon fear. They're coming, you have these requirements and this list and this idea of the, the perfect person, like I got to find my soulmate and the soulmate has all these characteristics and so forth. And I'm not judging it for having a list. I had a list when I was dating. My wife did too, guy. Okay? Um, I'm just saying the list shows a mentality that is going to make you less attractive because you're, you're sort of coming from a place of, of fear. Like, you know, I need a person to be a certain way because I'm afraid of what would happen if they're, if they don't meet all these requirements, I'm going to be unhappy. I'm going to be, I'm going to be uh, betrayed or I'm going to, I'm going to end up being single and going through a divorce or something like that. And it's out of fear that we really come up with this list. Okay. Cause let me, I've described this at another place on a podcast and I would say which one it was if I remember, but I don't. So I'm going to refresh your memory if you've heard it. If you haven't heard it, it's going to be very powerful for you. I, I, I always say to my clients, like, what's the real reason you want a relationship? Okay. And there's kind of a meaning in that. It means there's, there's a reason we think we want one. And then there's the real reason we want one. Okay. Here's, here's how this works. All of us come into life. Um, we go through life and so forth and we, we have a not okay feeling on the inside. There, there, when you really tune into your, your inner experience, sometimes you're free and wide open and, and be, you, know, you just feel great. But, but a lot of time, is, isn't something bothering you a lot of the time, right? Don't you feel some loneliness or boredom or stress or don't you feel like bigger things, like I'm not good enough or I'm unlovable or like for me, I'm undesirable, right? Like if I was to be talking to you directly, I would say, hello, are you in there? And you would say, yeah, I'm in here. <laughs> you know, I'm, a, I'm an aware conscious being. I'm in here. I'd say, how you doing in there? What's it like to be you, right? Now, again, I'm not saying everybody's suicidal and everybody is clinically depressed and, you know, just feels awful, right? But I'm saying, isn't something usually bothering you? Isn't there a restlessness deep down? Like, 
if you doubt me about this, here's, I'll just challenge you. For one hour, sit in a room and turn off all your devices. No TV, no phone, no computer, no internet, no music, no nothing. Just sit down. Don't even meditate because that could be something you're doing too. Just sit there and do nothing. Just sit with yourself with no distraction and with no devices. And you tell me how you're doing. I'm telling you your skin's going to crawl. I'm telling you you're going to feel like you're losing your mind or, or, or that it's at least uncomfortable or that you're going to feel boredom or you're going to feel kind of a restlessness or kind of a, right? I think it was Blaise Pascal that said that all man's miseries arise because he is unable to sit alone in a room. Okay? So what I'm telling you is that when you look closely at the human experience, yes, you're in there, but if you really check and you ask yourself, how am I doing in here? Well, there's a type of not okay feeling in there and it's not comfortable. Whether it's, I don't feel lovable or I don't feel good enough or I, I feel confused or uh, I feel shame or guilt or, um, you know, lonely, stressed. I mean, that not okay feeling is intolerable. It, it's uncomfortable. And if you look deeper, you'll see that most of your life is spent trying to deal with that, trying to make it go away. Or at least maybe trying to make you yourself avoid it in some way. Like your whole life gets sort of revolved around that not okay feeling. Like when I felt undesirable, my whole life has been about trying to be desirable to women, to my clients, to friends. Like it's, it's like, it's my core not okay thing. And so my whole life has been about trying to fix that or deal with that or compensate for it or hide it or somehow alleviate it or whatever it might be. Now, enter relationships. Okay? So you're in there. How you doing in there? I've got this not okay feeling. The real reason you want a relationship is because you think if you find your soulmate, they are going to fix it. They're going to make that unwanted or that abandoned feeling go away. They're going to make you feel seen or loved or be special. They're going to make life be exciting so you don't feel bored. They're going to alleviate your loneliness. Um, in other words, you're, you're, if you can find the right person, they are going to fix your not okay feeling. And that's why you got a list. Because you're defining exactly who that person needs to be to fix your not okay feeling, right? So the list makes sense. When you're looking for a partner from the perspective that if I can find someone to love me and not just anyone, but a particular kind of person that has these values and these characteristics and maybe this amount of money or this amount of good looks or this amount of spiritual character or this amount of integrity or whatever it might be. If I can get that person to love me, it's going gonna, it's gonna to fix my not okay feeling. And I'm just here to tell you, even if you find that person, they're not going to be able to do it. Because life partners create, they are lousy life sources. Okay? But that's the real reason we want a relationship. And that's why we have a list. 
That's why we have future requirement is because I'm not okay in here. And so I need a, I need not only a relationship, but I need a particular person. And that's where this, that's why I'm so against the law of attraction, not because it doesn't work, but because the law of attraction comes out of this mentality. I want to attract a certain kind of person who's going to fill that void, who is going to fix that problem, who is going to finish that story of me being abandoned or not wanted, or I'm going to find someone who is going to um, help me find an identity, right? That was my thing. If I had the attention and affection of a beautiful woman, it was like, ooh, I'm somebody. Like, look at her on my arm, right? It's, it's making me feel desirable, making me feel seen because she wants to be with me. That must mean I'm special. You follow me? Now, gosh, I hope you're not arguing with this. This is, this is basic psychology. This is, it should be as obvious as the nose on your face that that's what we're doing in relationship. And that's why we have future requirement. What I'm saying is when you're playing into this codependent pattern, which is what it is, because when you want a person to be a certain way to fix your not okay feeling, I can guarantee you the person that you're going to attract is going to be expecting you to fulfill their list to fix their not okay feeling. Maybe they felt, you know, not masculine or unwanted or they feel bored or restless and you are going to entertain them. You are going to make them feel or heal their wounds from their childhood. You follow me? So when you're in this mentality that I have future requirement because it's going to fix my not okay feeling, you'll attract someone doing the same thing and you're going to be in a codependent relationship. And you're not going to be attractive, at least not in a healthy way. But when you do your own work and you say, you know what, there isn't a person out there that can fix me on the inside. I got to deal with, with my void. I've got to deal with my not okay feeling. This is the work that I had to do. I had to find my own desirability just in the man that I am, just in my own beingness, not because I'm doing something or achieving something or looking a certain way or have a certain body shape that I am desirable because I am, because I'm, I'm an alive, sentient being. I, I'm fundamentally desirable by life itself. Life has made me Life is keeping me alive because life wants me to be here. I'm, I'm desired by life. I'm right. And the more I can feel that I'm already desirable and that that not okay feeling is being healed from the inside. Well, then I don't have big requirements and I'm not, I'm not, you know, my energy is more open. I'm, I'm more relaxed. I'm, I'm not worried about whether you're going to be the right person. Right? I'm not looking for my soulmate because that's code for I need you to be a certain way to, to heal all my wounds of my past and my childhood and all my insecurities and my jealousies. When you're not doing that, when you're not playing that psychological unconscious game, 
you're more attractive. You're more, you're more attractive because you're free of all that. And I don't need you to be a certain way to fix me. I don't need you to be a certain way so that I never feel jealous or I never feel insecure. I don't need you to be a certain way so that I feel safe or I feel um, like I feel like I'm in control because, you know, you're a certain kind of person and I don't have to worry about the future because you're, you have this quality or that amount of money or this or that, right? No, I, I'm, I'm sourcing from within. I'm rooted in beingness. I'm rooted in God. I'm rooted. I don't know what you want to call it, but I'm grounded within myself. And so I don't need, I don't, I don't have a list. I'm trusting that life is going to put me with somebody that maybe I never thought that would be good for me, right? You'll have the mentality. I don't know what's best for me. Maybe life knows what I need better than I do. You know, sometimes I think we're like three-year-olds. You ask a three-year-old what they want for dinner every night, and they're going to tell you, I want ice cream. They're going to say, yes, mommy, I know what's good for me. I know what I need. I know what will make me healthy and what will make me grow and make me happy. And I want ice cream. I swear to God, we're like that with with God, with the, with life. I know what I need. I know what will make me happy. I know the qualities I need. No, you don't. You're like a three-year-old. You don't know what you need. Your parents know the kind of food you need, right? And life knows the perfect person for you, <laughs> which might be someone you never thought of, right? And life knows when you need them too. Maybe it's best for you that you're not in a relationship right now so that you can work on yourself or so that you can put your attention someplace else. I don't know. But maybe you're not in a relationship because you're not supposed to be, that it's actually better for you. And maybe you ought to drop your list and all your requirements and say, as Jesus did, not my will be done, but thy will. Like, who do you want me to be with? I'll just open up. I'll just go through my life with my energy flowing I'm getting rid of all the clouds. I'm, I'm trusting. I'm grounded in being. I don't have past regret. I don't have present resistance. I'm not going through life with all this future requirement about how life has to be so I can feel okay. I'm letting go of all that stuff. And I'm just going to be happy and alive and trusting and moving. And let's just see where this adventure takes me. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you will be blown away about what happens in your love life. But the more you clamp down and you like, no, I know what I need. And no, I don't like that I'm single and I'm going to do everything to do something about it. I'm going to join this dating site and this matchmaker and I'm going to try this and try that and try this technique and try that. I'm going to be cocky and funny. I'm going to wear more seductive clothes. I'm going to wear less seductive clothes. I'm going to try, right? And I have all this regret. I'm so upset about things I've done. And, oh, I missed out. I should have stayed with my high school boyfriend. That would have been great. But I cheated on him and I blew it. And now I'm lonely when I'm 30. Or, you know, I have resentments about people. You let all that garbage go. And you just come at life with a heart wide open. And you are going to be so damn attractive that I think people are going to be lining up around the block 
to buy what you're selling. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with you, but I want to be around you. I want to get to know you. I, I, I just, I'm drawn to you. You know, I don't, it's not about what you look like. It's about the way you move. Something in the way you move attracts me like no other lover. All right. So I'll stop there because it's already past an hour in this one. Um, and I just want to say, now, what do you need to do with this? Perhaps buy my book. That might help. Perhaps call me. 407-687-3387. Email me. Roy at coachingwithroy.com. Perhaps one of these babies is your deal. Perhaps you're saying, okay, now I'm sort of getting why I'm single. I'm sort of getting why maybe I'm not my most attractive self. But all of it's changeable. So I just want to challenge you. Do something with this information. Don't just get smarter. Do something with this Act on it. Take a chance. Invest some time and money into your own growth and your own attractiveness so that you can attract something healthy and special and sustainable. And that's what I'm here for. So until next time, until next week, I wish you all the best in your pursuit of intimacy. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.